decided to find out who, who just who is Michael Harris and and uh, how is he involved with this label. Um, that led us uh, on a long chase of uh, chasing down documents um, and and talking to people. Uh, and the rumors kept getting stronger about Michael Harris. It was very difficult to pin down his role at first. Um, the break in the story, I guess, came when we uh, called the Secretary of State's press office and asked for uh, documentation about a company, a series of companies that went by the prefix GF or Godfather. There was Godfather Entertainment, Godfather Productions, and uh, I remember standing by the fax machine as the Secretary of State's press office was faxing over these documents, and there was Lydia Harris's name next to David Kenner's um, on a document that, of a company that purported to be the parent company of Death Row Records, and this was astonishing to us. Um, that here, here on paper was evidence of this individual Michael Harris's involvement. That's the music business. People backstabbing each other, brothers fighting, friends are all fucked up. That's the music business. I would find it very interesting if uh, somewhere in doing something like this and really getting the story of uh, Death Row, if in fact uh, you can interview a Jimmy Iovine a Ted Fields, because as is normally the case in our society, uh, these are the guys that ultimately made a fortune off of death row, and uh, they were never really tagged with any of the stigmas, you know, that were put on death row. I like to have some very pertinent, someone direct very pertinent questions to them about what did they know, what was going on, what were they willing to accept, not to accept. You know, it'd be very interesting just to get another you know perspective as to what's going on. To, to a wide audience of kids, they had a message that clearly was heard and felt by young people all over the country. They had pockets of young brothers who sold dope and had to carry nine millimeter pistols, who had a lot of money that could relate. Every kid wants something that's sort of forbidden. Certainly this kind of imagery was. In fact, they couldn't even hear it on their regular radio station. They sold over a million albums. And we have to understand that with rap music, past 500,000, 600,000 albums, you go outside the black community. You had little white kids out there that was, you know, grew up in Pop's Country Club, and they wasn't having it. They wanted to hear N.W.A. It became clear that there weren't just 10,000 kids listening to this. There was hundreds of thousands in each city. People sat back and seen an album that sold a million units that was never played on radio. And, and, and I had the question, how does this happen? How did this happen? What, what went on here? Now, when it started making real money and it started looking like some success was going to come about, that's when the shit starts. Easy and Jerry wasn't paying Dr. Dre enough money. At that time, I was old money. But they wasn't they weren't paying it, you know what I'm saying? I think they were trying to starve me, starve me out. As hard as you work for your money, there's at least two or three people out there working just as hard to get it from you. I was there when Dre told me he would sell his soul to the devil for a million bucks. And I swear right now, devil got to have a receipt for his ass. <laughs> that was dumb. What kind of influence they may have had on the inner city youth in America? When you have guys that have the ears of not only black America, but white America also, you can call some shots. Anybody can sell four million records, five million records. Anybody can sell our concerts around the world. Whatever they put their name and faces on will sell. Whatever they endorse will be backed up 100%.
The Death Row record story told the tale of three major record labels, almost brought one of them down, rattled another to its core, and set the framework for a whole new way of doing business in the music business. This was a story that wasn't just about a bunch of guys from Compton. It was a story that affected the whole music business and ultimately the, the, the business world. It's about empowerment. It's about greed, it's about ego, it's about sex, it's about violence, it's about fame, it's about failure. I mean, you don't get any more American than that. The legacy that Death Row Records has left is both positive and negative. I think the positive legacy is that if you have talent and if you're prepared to work, you can create a business and it can be successful. People always say, you remember how old Suge started this company from nothing? We can do that. We're going to hear this music forever. It's going to forever mark an era in American culture and American history. Now, the sad part about this whole thing is that Jimmy Iovine and Ted Fields sold Interscope for $400 million. I still have the article. In the Wall Street Journal, it says, Warner's upset stake in rap music. So what they were buying was Death Row. They paid $400 million for it. So Jimmy Iovine and Ted Field got $400 million. Tupac's dead and Suge's in jail. Who's in jail? Mike Harris. Suge Knight. And where's the money? Who controls the money? <laughs> what, what happens to the power that all these black folks control. Death Row is the named party in scores of lawsuits over its financial management and mismanagement. With the federal investigation, they're looking into Suge's dealings in Las Vegas. They're looking into his dealings with Michael Harris. At no point in time was my money considered illegal. There was no evidence to prove that I ever participated in money laundering. Michael has an attempted murder charge over his head and a drug case over his head. If the government offered Michael an opportunity to get out of jail to testify against David Kenner or Suge Knight or Andre Young or someone else, there's a good chance that Michael could take it. I don't work for the government. I only work for myself and my family and my friends. I would stay in prison before I would live as a rat in society. Suge, I would imagine, in the minds of white corporate America record business had to be stopped. He had to be stopped. When we start taking the money that we make in the streets, however we do it, if it's hustling bottles, selling bottle tops, selling a bag of weed on the corner, however we do it, when we do it and we start realizing, you know what, let me find something legal to do, that's when it becomes a problem. They don't want us legal. They rather we, because they feel like if you selling dope, you ain't going to never really get rich unless you the man sitting next to the goddamn man. It'll be hard to dig up and find who started what with what kind of legal money, but they wouldn't want to do that. If they were to take death row right now for Suge Knight, what about Atlantic Group? What about Interscope Records? They made more money than Death Row did off of Death Row. If Death Row was founded by drug money and Death Row made money, Interscope made money, Atlantic Group made money, you take everybody record company. You don't take just the black man.
Yo, this is Wise Words with yours truly podcast. Gonna take a look at the Death Row Records. Welcome to Death Row. Welcome to Death Row, the documentary. It says it came out in 2001. This kind of looks like the basis of the Straight Outta Compton movie. Pretty much the official story. Talk about the corruption, how Suge Knight took over the company. They bring up this character, Michael uh, Harry O, which is like, Pretty much the investor in Suge Knight gave Suge Knight 1.5 million. He invested in the company. He gathered the, the you know these acts that were edgy and ruthless. Um, and you know you got the story of Easy E um, playing the actor and the role. And you know if you think about it, like the dawn of the the SoundCloud rapper, or just the rapper period in the gangster rap world, promoting products promoting lifestyle promoting you know everything the the jerseys i mean the gang culture all that man it's all promoted through the early straight out of compton uh nwa stuff so you know you had a lot of different records that were promoting it in a lot of different ways um especially the uh you know the fashion and you know the direction uh you know, where people use pagers and, you know, there's a lot of, it was, it was a payphone culture where that's how people communicated socially on a digital level, like as far as, you know, the phone lines. But, um, for the most part, yeah, you know, they're pen pals or something, you know what I mean? People knew each other from school. Records were sold hundreds of thousands in each town, in each city, each major city in different parts of the country. Where this NWA group that saved the Interscope label, um, you know, that pretty much invested in them and made up like a big portion of their their money back and brought Interscope back. Uh, Death Row had crazy numbers and just crazy business, crazy work. They pushed a lot of different records, you know, putting out Snoop Dogg and Easy E and Ice Cube. A lot of Dr. Dre stuff that was kind of doctored by a lot of different musicians and producers that contribute to the album. So the documentary was uh, was pretty it was pretty eerie. It was kind of like a unsolved mysteries, like um, outer limits, Twilight Zone sort of vibes <laughs> to the whole thing. And it pretty much was getting at this investor got swindled, and the lawyer and Suge Knight changed the the company. Uh, which the company through this Harry O guy, he created Godfather Entertainment or something like that. Uh, you can hear it in the beginning of the episode in the montage. And they talk about how um, the company was like, there's a, there's paperwork, you know what I'm saying? Official paperwork is registered that that's where the company originally, and their original name for it was going to be Death Row. And they kept it Death Row. Like it was a programmed agenda. And that, you know, that Harry O guy, he was adamant to really say he's not government. You know, then, you know, he's behind bars. He's, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to be a rat in society. He's not going to, you know, um, you know, for whatever alibi or he didn't, he had for someone or some sort of situation where he's not speaking on the behalf of a murder case or a drug case or whatever that may be. He's, uh, I don't know if he got out, I need to really do a little bit more research, but 
The documentary is pretty interesting. You can find it on YouTube. They have it for like four bucks on YouTube. Um, but I ended up finding it. Just look up Death Row, just in all capitals. I found it was like an hour or something long. So it flew under the radar, which is cool. You always see a lot of different videos on YouTube. Make it under the radar, and you can still watch them. Um, so, yeah, this uh, this story having to do with, uh, you know, Suge Knight having something to do with the devil and having some demonic influence in a capitalistic sort of way where it's all about money and, you know, trying to launder it or trying to, you know, um, just try to move it or, you know, or trying to put it in certain areas, try to invest it or reinvest it. You know, there's a lot of different a lot of different, um, a lot of different business that these guys had, you know, um, where they had all kinds of different revenue streams, being celebrities and whatnot. They get into that world as well, and I'm sure they were early on in the '90s, um, doing the New Jack City sort of thing, but on a celebrity level, you know. And so you seen um, Australia Compton, yeah, that was like the official story. You know, everyone got the story, the, you know, the he the heartfelt story of a group. And everyone brings it up. I mean, I got different people that brought it up to me for years and years and years about, well, we could do it like Death Row, and I could be your Suge Knight, and we can get this artist and this artist, and we're going to put ourselves together. It, it's a real alchemical experience, and to be able to to gather everything, to get it all everything right, the process, it, in history, it was done and it was documented. And this documentary in 2001, it came out, um, it's trying to bring up, you know, a lot of different information about um, how this was the first group that did that. You know, that actually succeeded and actually did the, the magic groundwork. And they actually propelled by the help of all these sound engineers and different people that mixed the hell out of these records, um, you know, after the fact. And all of their names are accredited to that, and the, they get the, the mechanical royalties. Like, there's money being distributed and has to go somewhere, even through these royalty agencies. You know, they bring up at the end of the documentary where's all the money at? Where does everything go? You know, um, where's the pot of gold? You know, if Suge Knight's in jail, Harry O's in jail, Tupac passed away, you know, um, who's running the show you know could be their wives could be the women of death row that's that's a probably a whole nother subject <laughs> um well that's probably a whole show i'm sure you know to try to dissect that whole scenario um because it was uh harry o's wife that her name that was on the paperwork because he couldn't do it he was in prison but his wife through their marriage or whatnot she was able to sign away certain stuff and establish the whole death row thing before it even went off the ground. And then they created the death row logo. They created the blood crip atmosphere with the artist and just having, you know, all the areas of LA connected, you know, all the hoods and um, just kind of influencing the masses, you know, on a global level. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. So, Take a look at this documentary. Um, look up Death Row in all capital letters on YouTube. You'll find it. Or something about it. 
death row documentary something just look it up um and it kind of just speaks on the official story and the interesting ideas about how these how these artists started to live and if you really can imagine what it would be like to you know you could imagine in nowadays of course because the dawn of the soundcloud rappers where they you know they were the you know could be could be the name brand designer clothes or you know it could be some knockoff you know uh, versace or gucci or something it could be it could be a lot of knockoff you know counterfeit um counterfeit products like that like supreme or something um or it could be the real thing but for the most part they they can't fake it so there's investors definitely oh there's definitely investors that put on this front of um you know a lot of these different companies and there's a lot of promotion and a lot of um a lot of imagery that's created with the, you know the different designer belts and just in the fashion just on that level uh it was all established through death row you know i bring up just that hood mentality and you know it it, it i mean it really if you think about it, it gets the manufacturers to decide what to print and what to invest and make large quantities of to push these outfits and these, um, you know, these props, you know, and then, you know, these outfits that are from TV and stuff that get promoted and produced. So the documentary was all about just how it goes down, you know, in a Motown sort of sense, you know, when you have a group, you know, and Suge Knight technically was the bodyguard for Bobby Brown at one point and he paid attention to the music game and how it worked and how these kids stars you know what i'm saying were just making it blowing money just buying drugs and doing some wild and reckless stuff all night while he's there watching you know uh, protecting them or you know if they're at a public event or if they're out shopping or something he took on jobs like that and was seen in pictures and whatnot so you know, you've seen that new edition documentary biopic. I think I'm on like the second part. Still got to finish it. Uh, about Bobby Brown and New Edition and just their lives. You know, it's it's got a couple of the. It's got like one of the uh, kids from Stranger Things. <laughs> He's in it. They play in the New Edition group, and you know they learn the routines and the dances, and they're influenced by earlier groups and just picking up and just soaking up game of what like how to pull off the showmanship and the performance of an R&B singer with soul you know and having all these different all all these different choreography and all these elements that played a bigger picture you know uh played a bigger part you start to see like you know where these kids you know they struggled and you know where they got into addiction and they start getting into all kind of violence and just having the freedom of being like a godlike character with unlimited tokens or lives, you know, where you could just shop and have people do whatever for you or whatever, you know, um, and just be like this character that 
shouldn't probably even be in public, but they take their chances, you know, try to be one with the people and try to connect more. And, you know, maybe that's what happened to Tupac, you know, him going out there and connecting with the outside world and just being around too much money and probably invested or was in a situation with the wrong people or whatever the case may be. And it just gave someone a reason. Maybe there was no reason to just, you know, Tupac had like always had that like, you know, that emphasis of being untouchable, you know, like, untouchable, like, meaning, like, the, even the, the, the main protagonist and the character of a hero, you know, or some sort of, um, heroic figure, the protagonist would be touchable or untouchable, still touchable, you know, still at ground level or still at reach, and people can touch you or your family and affect your life. Death Row has a huge history and of artists that come and gone and left Death Row. Some that stayed, some that went down with the Titanic that is Death Row, the billion dollar, some would say a billion dollar company that it was established and a lot of lives were lost and just putting out the records that that increased the death toll. You know, pe- people were became more rebellious and in encourage that spiritual voice you know to to say f the police or whatever it played a big impact in a lot of people's lives that came before me i was kind of affected by it because you know i I still grew up in the tape culture you know where i had the cassette tapes and i would uh i picked up on the concept of i don't know somebody showed me maybe i somehow picked up about you can put you know like these little pieces of paper inside the holes of a tape cassette and you could record over a tape or you could just record in general and a lot of tape decks and a lot of old uh tape players and you know like boom boxes and stuff they always had a record button you know a loop button or you know the stop and rewind and all the different um options and um yeah you know i would record little mixtapes and different stuff back then and it probably prepared me and set me up for the whole beat making experience which is kind of cool um yeah so dr dre was the man you know doing his thing and you know he left and some people went with him or you know the majority still had contracts with death row so they couldn't yeah but death row you know people were tripping on like a you know on like a fan level you know you know, why would Dr. Dre build a company and just up and leave? You know, <laughs> it's like there's different perspectives, you know, and hearing these documentaries or taking a glimpse into them, you start to see the different perspectives and how deep it actually can go, you know, bringing up this Harry O investor guy. Um, it opens up so much doors, you know, where was his money coming from? He invested in this company. I mean, for this to for the the same act to, I mean maybe the act is hardly like highly guarded you know because you got to reach a certain bracket of money let's say a hundred thousand to be able to pull off I mean not necessarily you don't need that much you just need to get people to work and be like optimistic and want to work toward the goal of putting out hit songs that's all you really need um but the idea of being on contract and all being signed like 
becomes ingrained in your mind that you're on the, you know, you're giving it your all to this project. You could be working on, you know, a handful of songs. It could be like eight or nine songs. It could be ten songs. You know, this, the Kanye album was seven songs, you know, like, so it could be under ten songs. And, um, yeah, you know, they put out a record every couple months. They promote it. Um, you know, back in the day, there was really no promotion. There was just like, oh, there's going to be a new Tupac record or The Chronic's going to come out or something. There was some little advertisements here and there that they attempted back in the NWA. Um, NWA uh, death row movements. But then you really, if you pay attention to the way that it was marketed like this new straight out of Compton movie that came out uh, very recently um you start to see that that was more corporatized and you know they you got the straight out of Compton meme you know you say straight out of here straight out of New York straight out of LA straight out of you know it could be straight out of the hood or straight out of whatever like that's just like a meme sort of thing that was created to promote the movie even so that was all lined up and highly marketed um but yeah you see the uh way they slipped that in there to be straight out of somewhere straight out of compton that was the, the album there's high magic behind a lot of the way that was written and how it was pushed out there i mean the in a lot of ways, they could be, a, they could be well known. Who knows, man? I mean, DLC, DLC did so like a lot of the writing on a lot of different stuff. So did Ice Cube. So maybe even looking into those characters, you could discover some, some stuff you didn't see before. But I'm gonna sign out. Thanks for listening. This is uh, Wise Words of the Years. Truly, welcome to Death Row, documentary that. It was pretty interesting. It, it shed some light on some new discoveries or old discoveries yeah, that weren't in the Straight Outta Compton movie. So that should be, you know, a reason to possibly question like what actually went down in it. Does it even matter? No. But the idea that if they you want to, you know, pretty much uh, reproduce what NWA did or what death row did um you know finding you know that uh, that jerry heller guy uh you know that white old man that eventually started to promote the music to the big names and it got in the hands of the big record execs and their kids and they're you know putting the different um steps forward to make stuff happen and make these tracks go global really just to promote them on tv i mean that's whatever's put on tv it will pop there's another there's no such thing as a show that's not going to be liked like if you really think about it every show that's ever produced like there's never been a show that people are like this is horrible like turn this off there's never been no one there's a nerd show if there's some sort of you know um some sort of like you know like a joe millionaire type show or whatever like they're all produced, and I understand they're all well thought of, and there's a lot of, you know, think tanks that go into these game shows and a lot of these TV sitcoms and stuff, but, you know, they're all accepted, and, and they all have fans, and they all are a part of 
you know, history eventually. They get rerun and these like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, you know, well, like a lot of these big celebrities, you know, th like like a, like Will Smith, he started on there. So it's like where Dr. Dre started from. Everyone will bring that up, you know, the origins. People take interest in that, and so they rewrote history with the Straight Outta Compton movie. And this documentary shine light on stuff that wasn't in the movie, and you should check it out just on that idea on that premise that there could be a lot of stuff that you know was you know deliberately uh left out <laughs> of the movie so let's see how that goes all right peace thanks for listening yo